This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It is a chilly one. You know, we kind of get, it's well, it's like this everywhere. They always say, well, in New England weather, you know, it, we get the swings everywhere. It's just what weather is. But, I mean, we had, like, some weather that, you know, temps were around 50 degrees. Well, we're back in the deep freeze. Wind chills outside right now below zero. Uh, we've had winds gusting to... 40, 50 miles an hour, people without power all over the state. Fortunately, we have power here in the studio, so you're stuck with me here on a Tuesday morning. Um, we got a lot of baseball to talk about. Got a first chance to take a look at the Red Sox yesterday. Uh, their spring training game was televised by Nesson, so uh, first opportunity to see them. Their game today will be on ESPN, so uh, uh, that was a good thing. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up. Before we get to sports this morning, um, I, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant and, you know, pardon me, but we have this new, well, it's not new, but within the last couple of years, we have this, this thing in this country where if something doesn't meet up to what we think is appropriate for 2021, that we want to just cancel it, the cancel culture, they call it. And, you know, we have seen that with so many different things. We see it where they're trying to rewrite history. And, you know, look, let me be right up front and say I'm not, I'm not for, uh, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a racist. I am not, uh, I don't believe that the N-word should be used. I don't believe that, that uh, black should be treated any differently or Hispanic should be treated any differently than I am. They are no different than I am. Okay, so let's start with that. But let's also make. Have the understanding that our country and every country evolves over time. There are things in your past and your country's history that you're not proud of. We are not proud. I wouldn't think of the institution of slavery that was in this country. But I also don't believe that. That uh, uh, we should be punished for it in 2021, based on what happened back in you know the 17 and 1800s. That it was a, a time and a and a certain time in history, and things evolve. And it's not just the institution of slavery; it's everything that evolves. You know, the way look back in the old days. You know, you, the, the idea of uh, of of having sex outside of a you know, to have a child was a sin. I remember when I was a kid, you, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't show, uh, uh, underwear being worn on television unless it was on a mannequin. I remember that when I was a kid, they had these, uh, they used to have these, uh, commercials for bras and they'd be on a, on a, uh, you know, a, a mannequin torso 
And that's the closest you got to seeing, you know, underwear. Now, hell, you watch a TV show and people are walking around with practically nothing on. It was unheard of before. That's, you know, but I don't see people losing their minds over the fact that we have uh, TNA everywhere on our televisions these days. Now, having said that, there's a big difference between TNA on television, although some would say that the way it's corrupting the morals of our kids, you know, but there's a difference between that and racism. But if we constantly try to put 2021 morals and mores and uh, values on things that happen in this country 150 years ago, we have a problem. Or things that happened even 50 years ago. Life was, the country was different. It was a different place. And it didn't mean that everybody was a racist back in the uh, 18, 1860s. Not everybody was racist. Yes, slavery was, you know, was, was there. It, it was wrong. You know, the Civil War was wrong, but we can't deny that we had it. We can't, by, by taking away statues of uh, generals from the Confederacy or statues that commemorated what Confederate soldiers did, doesn't change what happened in our history. I mean, I guess people think if these statues go away, we don't, we, it, 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 you know, the history goes away. That doesn't happen. Well, anyway, the reason that I started on this little rant is the latest part of cancel culture has reached Dr. Zeus. That's right. The cat in the hat and all those beloved books by Dr. Zeus, green eggs and ham, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now, I guess Dr. Zeus is uh, a racist. They have decided that six of his books will no longer be published, including, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, and if I ran the zoo. Now, I, I love if I ran the zoo. It was, well, you know. Uh, now, Dr. Zeus, uh, Theodore Geisel, was from Springfield, Massachusetts. He was born there in 1904. He's kind of a local legend. And his books have been read to millions and millions and millions of children through the years. Reading Dr. Zeus's books to your children does not turn them into racists. They are not going to print these. There's six books they're no longer going to print because they say they have racist and insensitive imagery including, like, you know, caricatures of Asian people and black people. It, again, different time. Things were, and I can't, maybe, maybe, am I wrong? I mean, maybe I'm completely out to lunch where, you know, that it is that we do have to accept the fact that, that uh, you know, we have to cancel all these things. I don't believe in it, but that's, but maybe I'm wrong. But so, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street and If I Ran the Zoo, no longer going to be published along with uh, four books. And by the way, I'll have to be honest with you, I don't know these books. Uh, Miguel Eats Pool, On, uh, on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and uh, The Cat's Quizzer. Don't know those books. But I read Dr. Zeus books to my kids their entire, you know, childhood. Didn't turn them into racists. Not going to turn them into racists. 
it's out of control. And and Dave just checked in on Facebook. Thank you. I'm glad glad I'm not the only one that feels that way. Uh, if I ran the zoo, it's about the Forest Park Zoo in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's on it's on uh, uh, the main drag as you go uh, into into Springfield. I used to drive by it every day on my way to work. Great book, you know, and 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 uh, you know. So now we have look, Doctor Zeus's books. Believe it or not, in 2020 on the Forbes list of the highest paid dead dead celebrities, <laughs> there's actually a list of this. Doctor Zeus was second on that list. Doctor Zeus in 2020, he's dead, been dead for a while. Made $33 million. He died in 1991. Made $33 million in 2020. The only person that made more money than Dr. Zeus that's dead, Michael Jackson. And so Dr. Zeus is adored around the world. He's got, you know, a lot of his books are about uh, environmentalism, about kindness, uh, you know, all kinds of positive messages for children. And yet a couple of images, you know, there's no N words dropped in this book, folks. You know, there's no like, hey, we we don't like foreign people. It's none of that. It's just a couple of images people don't like. And but we're going to cancel six of Dr. Zeus's books as if they don't exist. You know, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you know. Uh, remember the Curious George books? Well, those are being criticized because it's about people bringing monkeys back from Africa. So I guess that means that we're enslaving monkeys or it's supposed to be some allegory for slavery. I read the Curious George books to my children their entire childhood. It did not turn them into racists. Just saying. Little House on the Prairie. Laura Ingalls Wilder. The Little House on the Prairie books. They, they used to be a uh, American Library Association had, had a big award in her name. They've now removed her name from the award because people are not happy uh, because uh, there's mentions of slavery and uh, portrayals of black people in there that are not great. Folks, Laura Ingalls Wilder was born two years after the Civil War. She grew up in a time that was much different than the time we grew up in. Laura Ingalls Wilder, to all account, from all accounts, was not a racist. She was telling a story based on you know the things that she remembered when she was a child. Should we? Can and, and people want to cancel her. They want to cancel Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer because Tom, because Mark Twain has written a book that captured what how black people were treated and looked at back then. And yet, we, but we're going to cancel it. It's out of control. We're canceling Dr. Zeus. Good Lord. All right. Okay. I feel better. <laughs> I actually probably needed that to get my blood going. You ever have one of those mornings you get up and you had a decent night's sleep, but you get up and you still feel like you've been hit by a bus. I'm having one of those mornings. So I think I maybe needed that to get my blood going. Um, we got, like I said, a lot of baseball to talk about. Before we get to that, though, some uh, college basketball. The UConn women finished out their regular season last night undefeated. They beat Marquette 63-53. It was the closest game they've had in the Big East Conference all year. They, they have won their conference games by an average of like 20-something points a game. 
Uh, last night, you know, it was not a pretty game. There, it was ugly. Um, they got some big, big performances uh, from their their post players. Aliyah Edwards, Olivia Nelson, Adota, big games last night, and it was good to see Nelson Adota with nineteen points, ten rebounds, six blocks. A huge game. Aliyah Edwards, uh, same thing. She is uh, that freshman just continues to get better and better and better. So it was not a pretty game. Paige Becker's, you know, one of the best players in the country, only a freshman. She's averaging over 20 points a game, just 13 points, a couple of rebounds and an, and an assist last night. Very quiet game for her. Um, and, uh, you know, Gino Oriema said last night at halftime, he went to the girls at halftime, and they were leading by, I think, 12 at the half, but it wasn't the kind of dominant performance that he's used to having. And he said it, you know, he told him at halftime, somebody's got to step up here. Somebody has got to take control of this game. And, and, uh, Nelson Adota and Edwards did that. You know, it was a 10 point game, a 10 point final. It wasn't really ever that close. Marquette got it to within seven at one point in the third quarter. Uh, but then Aliyah Edwards with a couple of, a couple of baskets, uh, Nelson Adota, a couple of blocks. And before you know it, the lead was back up to 15. So, I mean, you know, it it's like they win by 10 and you read the Hartford paper and you would think that uh, they almost lost. And they, they weren't ever close to losing this game. Uh, so now they will wait for the start of the Big East tournament, which starts on Friday. And they will row through that. And, of course, they are the number one team in the country. They got 27 of the 31st place votes. And, uh, you know, barring, you know, a bus accident, there's nothing that's going to stop them from winning the Big East tournament. Uh, I mean, for <laughs> their first round game is going to be uh, uh, on Friday, and they will play either St. John's or Xavier. They beat St. John's and Xavier this year by an average of 44 points. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's you know, and so and Marquette will be the number two team. So if there's going to be any kind of challenge, it'll be that Marquette team. Uh, that gave them a 10-point game last night, but uh, I don't expect it to be much. Uh, the Big East has announced that they are going to allow limited number of family and guests for each of the teams at the tournament at Mohegan Sun for the women's tournament. There will be no tickets sold to the general public, but there will be some fans. So every team will be given an allotment of tickets. It's probably going to be something like, you know, four tickets per play or something like that. And so there will be some fans at Mohegan Sun Arena. Um, and, uh, you know, it starts on Friday. The championship game is Monday at 8 o'clock. It'll be uh, televised on FS1. Um, as I said, UConn now the number one team in the country for, I think, the fourth straight week or third straight week. Texas A&M moved up to number two in the rankings. It is the Highest they have ever been ranked in the college basketball poll. Uh, and they got to that after they beat number five, South Carolina, on Sunday. Um, and uh, NC State fell to number three. Stanford and Louisville round out the top five. Uh, Baylor, South Carolina, Maryland, UCLA, and Indiana uh, are the rest of the top ten. So that's where we're at with that. The men's basketball team plays tomorrow night. Uh, it is a big game. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, UConn's probably already in the tournament with what they have done, but they have to play Seton Hall tomorrow. Seton Hall needs a win uh, to make a case for their NCAA tournament aspirations. They are 13-10 and 10 right now, 
10 and 7 in the conference. So they will uh, need to beat UConn to make a statement. UConn right now, the number three seed in the tournament. They've already locked up a first-round bye, but they need to beat that Seton Hall team. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see. If UConn plays the way <coughs> excuse me, they played the other night, uh, they will. I mean, they were dominant against uh, Georgetown. They were dominant against Marquette, and that's the UConn team. With James Booknight healthy, they are a different team. Uh, R.J. Cole, by the way, was named the uh, Conference Player of the Week. Scored 38 points in two games uh, to go along with 10 assists and eight rebounds. Shot 56% in those two games. Uh, so uh, uh, he is the Player of the Week in the Big East Conference. Book Knight was named to the honor roll uh, with 44 points in those two games. So that is where we're at as far as the UConn men's basketball team goes. The top 25 in college basketball. A uh, little bit of a change. Baylor had been number two. Gonzaga had been number one all season. We've got a change because Baylor lost to Kansas last week. Baylor drops down to number three. And Michigan takes that new number two spot. Uh, head coach Joan Howard has that team playing exceptionally well right now. Um, but they've got some tough ones to finish up. They've got to play Illinois tonight. And then they finish up the regular season with back-to-back uh, -back -back games against Michigan State. So uh, hanging on to that number two spot could be difficult. But as I said, they are playing very, very well right now. Um, so that's where we're at as far as that goes. Uh, the uh, NIT tournament, usually 32 teams, has been cut to 16. But frankly, I mean, at least they're going to have a tournament. They didn't have one last year. Um, and it's all going to be held in the Dallas area. So all the tournaments this year, men's basketball, uh, women's basketball, and now the NIT are going to be all in one place. Um, it's going to be held uh, North Texas, and the co and Conference USA is going to serve as the host for the NIT. Uh, 16 teams, as we said. Uh, all the games are going to be on ESPN or ESPN2. Um, and a lot of times these teams that uh, – a lot of times what it'll be is a lot of these conferences that only get one bid to the NCAA, like, for instance, the Northeast Conference. If their regular season champion loses in the conference tournament, they will get an automatic bid into the NIT. And short of that, everybody else will be uh, an at-large. So uh, they hope to return to the regular tournament schedule next year. But, again, at the end of the day, the fact they're even having a tournament is, is a positive move. Uh, by the way, I... I am now eligible to get the vaccine uh, here in the state of Connecticut, and uh, I've decided I am going to wait. I did go on just to see, and I, I could get an appointment today. I could go get my shot today if I wanted to. And I don't understand this. I've been, you know, you watch TV and, and uh, the news, and everybody's like, ah, oh, it's so hard to get an appointment. I went online, and uh, I could go to a Walgreens in uh, a town 10 miles from here and get my shot, like, today or tomorrow. So, you know, I, I don't. I don't understand, you know, unless people think that they have to stay, like if you can't get one right in your town, it's a problem. But all I got to do is drive 10 miles and I can get my vaccine today or tomorrow. So, you know, I, it just seems like the, it just seems. And my wife is a big proponent of this, by the way. She thinks the media loves this stuff. They love the mayhem and hysteria, and they love to make things sound worse than they are. I, I mean, she, well, you know, maybe she's right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it just seems to me that it's not 
as hard as they're making it out to be. But uh, but I am going to wait. I think there's other people that need the shot before I do. And it just, to me, it doesn't, you know, there's there's no rush. You know, since I mostly stay close to home and, you know, since I work from home, uh, I don't I don't feel like uh, that I need to do it. So I'm going to wait a little bit and let the other people that need it get it, and maybe I'll get mine in a couple of weeks. It's 27 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Red Sox game yesterday. I know it's spring training, but there's still some red flags on this team that uh, that make me very, very nervous as we go into 2021. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 29 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. So first chance to see the Red Sox on television uh, yesterday. Let me start out by saying this. Great mustache on Garrett Richards. <laughs> Did you see that? He's got like this uh, this goose gossage looking mustache going. It is it is <laughs> it is a uh, it's a retro stash. I love it. Uh, anyway, uh, but that was about the only thing I liked from Garrett Richards yesterday. Uh, a brutal first inning, couldn't throw a strike. His fastballs were all up in his own. First appearance, not getting too worried about that. I think the thing we have to keep in mind about Garrett Richards is this is a guy that has thrown about 60 innings in the last two years. All right? I mean, we have to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, last year... He was coming off of Tommy John surgery. He missed most of 2019, came back last year and threw some, some but uh, he had Tommy John surgery in 2018. So we have to keep in mind that this is a guy still working himself back from Tommy John surgery. All right? Um, so that's number one. Have to remember that. However, there are other things on this Red Sox team that we need to be more concerned about. Garrett Richards is not one of the things I'm too worried about. You know, he, look, he's not he's not an ace, all right? He's not a number one starter, but he, to be a solid, he could be a solid number three, number four guy. Absolutely. I'm not, so I'm not worried about him. Um, but, and when we keep in mind spring training, you know, and the, the pitchers are the, the least of my worries. But the things I worry about, are errors. And when I see a Boston Red Sox team make five errors in a spring training game, I get a little bit nervous. You know, especially when, you know, some of those errors are Marco Gonzalez makes an error on a simple play. Bobby Dalbeck made an error on a simple play at third base. He, he went to his right, ball went to his left. He came in. It wasn't hit that hard. It should have been an easy play. Those are the kind of things I were. Look, that Red Sox team was a piece of Swiss cheese last year when it came to defense. Their defense was horrendous. Look, you can say all you want about that pitching staff last year, and believe me, um, it was bad. I'm trying to remember the word. I don't think putrid was the word. Well, I can't put... Dave O'Brien came up with a word for the Red Sox pitching staff yesterday that uh, that was a uh, a synonym for the word stink, and I can't remember what it was, but it was funny. But and there's no doubt. And but when we knew when you weren't going to have Chris Sale, and you knew when we didn't have Erod, and when Evaldi went down, 
you know, and all of a sudden we're throwing out Larry Moe and Curley, you knew that was going to be a problem. But the defense last year was awful. And now this Red Sox team has started out with seven errors in its first two spring training games. They had two in the opening game and then five yesterday. That's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy because that's the kind of stuff that costs you games. That's the kind of stuff that forces pitchers to throw extra pitches. And when you have a fragile pitching staff, the last thing you need to do is give teams extra outs and make your pitchers have to throw more innings. So that, you know, that's the kind of stuff, if you're Alex Cora, that's the kind of stuff that should keep you up at night. You know, you don't need to worry about, you know, your bullpen or your starting rotation, but you need to clean up that defense. And think about this. Raphael Devers didn't play yesterday, and he is Mr. Error the last, you know, last year. He's playing today, by the way. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about that. You know, now, as some people point out, look, spring training is, you know, all you're looking for is to get out of it healthy. Right. Uh, by and large. But when you have a team that was as fundamentally flawed as the Red Sox were last year, and that's the only way to put it, they were a flawed team. They uh, you can struggle with pitching because there's never enough good pitching. But when you can't do the fundamentals right, that's a problem. And Alex Cora is a guy that has always stressed the fundamentals. So I hope to hell. He figures out a way uh, to get this team more focused when it comes to their defense. Um, the other takeaway, um, and I, I understand kind of why Major League Baseball is doing this because guys didn't throw a lot of innings last year and they don't want to burn out pitchers. But the mercy rule that they have in the minors or in the uh, spring training this year, is absolutely stupid. Three times yesterday, Red Sox pitching was so bad that Alex Cora threw up the white flag and said, no mas, we've had enough, and, and they ended the inning, including the first inning by Garrett Richards yesterday. He threw 23 pitches, got one out, and Alex Cora said, we've had enough, and they ended the inning. He did it three times yesterday. He did it once in the opening game. I mean, the final score yesterday, and again, spring training games don't mean squat. But if they if they don't run up the white flag three times yesterday, the Atlanta Braves probably score 15 runs. I mean, it was brutal. So that's dumb. I'm sorry. It's just dumb. Uh, and now, you know, and Jerry Remy, uh, who did the game with Dave O'Brien yesterday, was trying to put a spin on it and say, well, you know, Richards, you know, struggled in the first inning, but he came out and, you know, did better in the second inning. So he's got something to build on. Well, yeah, all right, I guess. But how about this? I mean, look, that may be true. But in the second inning, the first guy up ripped the ball. If, if not for Cesar Pueyo in uh, right field, Ball's over the fence. He made a leap and catch to, to rob a home run, or or could have been. It could have been even worse. You know. Then he got a couple of ground outs and got out of it. So you know, it was fine. At the end of the day, Richards 
got his work in, but it was ugly. It really was. Um, but I'm not worried about him. And then after that, the Red Sox, you know, threw out a whole bunch of guys. Uh, you know, Kyle Hart, he was another guy, couldn't get out of an inning. They had to throw up the white flag on that one. Um, you know, Connor Seabold came out yesterday. It was good to see him. This is a kid that a lot of people have high hopes for. He's one of the guys that came over on that trade when they traded Brandon Workman and Heath Embry to the Phillies. Um, Seabold's the guy that, uh, you know, they got Pavetta back, but a lot of people are more excited about Seabold. He looked pretty good yesterday. Struck out a couple of guys in his one inning of work. Um, Red Sox did have a guy uh, get hurt yesterday. Zach Grotz, reliever, came out, hurt his elbow, had to leave the game, and as soon as he did, they ended the inning. Um, but uh, anyway, you know, so pitching-wise, shaky, not worried about Richards. Defense, definitely a problem. Offensively, uh, Red Sox only had five hits. J.D. Martinez looked a little lost up there again, worried about that a little bit. Dahlbeck had another hit, which was good to see. Uh, Chavis struck out, you know, he did, he did uh, walk his, his second at bat, but he's still swinging at pitches that are up around his eyes. Um, you know, and a lot of people think that he's going to start the season in triple a and the more I see and, and think about it, the more that's, I think that's probably right. Um, my first impressions of Marco Gonzalez on the Red Sox, not positive, struck out twice yesterday, made the error. Uh, Christian Arroyo started at shortstop. Jeter Downs came in later. Jeter Downs, by the way, made two of the errors yesterday. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, not fun. Now they, they will play today on television. It's on ESPN. So today's game is nine innings. I didn't realize this, you know, where they had the option to only play seven innings in preseason games if they're nationally televised games like the ESPN game is, it will go nine innings today. Uh, Martin Perez is going to start the game for the Red Sox, so it'll be our first chance to see him since he re-signed. Uh, and then the Red Sox are scheduled to throw out a bunch of uh, cannon fodder. I th- Ryan Weber is a guy you obviously will know. Uh, but outside of that, it's uh, you know G- uh, Garrett Whitlock is a guy that got, I believe, from the Yankees, Rule 5 guy. Um and then a bunch of, uh, you know, double and triple A guys. So good luck. <laughs> you know, not that it matters. It really doesn't. Uh, but the game's at 1 o'clock. It'll be on uh, ESPN. Uh, the Yankees played yesterday, and uh, Garrett Cole made his first appearance. He got roughed up a little bit. Again, means absolutely nothing. Gary Sanchez um, hit one of his patented moonshots. Um, Good for him, I guess. Uh, he got behind the plate yesterday. He had de- was a designated hitter in their first game, but he caught Cole. Uh, they're trying to get Cole to be more comfortable with Sanchez. Uh, they are planning on Sanchez being their regular catcher. I mean, he lost his job last year because he couldn't catch a cold. Uh, he's a he's still an awful defensive catcher, and he was striking out so much. His batting average was so low, they got him out of there. They're hoping that he can bounce back. Uh, but, uh, the good news is if you're a Yankee fan, uh, Jamison Tyon pitched yesterday. It's the first time Tyon had pitched, uh, in a year after having, uh, elbow reconstruction surgery for the second time in his career. He pitched yesterday and only threw seven pitches to get out of an inning. 
struck out a guy, got a couple of outs in seven pitches, and he was done. Actually went back to the bullpen and got some more work in. So if you're a Yankee fan, that is very, very encouraging. Uh, Jamison Tyon, a good young pitcher um, that, uh, you know, I was surprised that the Pirates let him go. Uh, so uh, uh, good news as far as that goes. Uh, the other thing that uh, was talked that's been talked about a lot, and you know I I don't know what to make of it. You know I sound like the the get off my lawn guy, uh, but there's been a lot of talk about how they are going to now allow video this year. Of course, as you know, remember last year after the whole cheating scandal with the Houston Astros bro- broke. And then there was some talk about maybe the Red Sox had been in the video room looking at live feeds when they shouldn't have been, yada, yada, yada. Well, now they've decided to bring video back for this year, but it's going to be in the dugout, and it's going to be on iPads, and uh, it is going to be uh, the catcher's signals are going to be clipped. So you're not going to be able to see, you know, they're not going to show the whole feed you're not going to see the catcher's uh, signs and everything, so the guys can't be sitting with their iPads in the dugout looking at signs, trying to steal signs. So they're, they're going to be able to see the video, but they're going to, it's going to be delayed because they're going to have to be cut up before the players actually get to see them. Um, I, I'm sure some of this is because batting averages were, you know, dropped like crazy last year. But I still – I. My contention is that it has zero or very, very little to do with video. Look, guys guys played baseball for many years without having video replay, and they did just fine. There's a lot of Hall of Famers that never had video replay, and they managed to figure it out. You know, uh, So, again, I know I sound like the old guy when I say that, but you know, video to me, you know, that's a crutch that people are leaning on. Now, having said that, if it's you know if that's what they need to do great but my contention is the drop in batting average and the drop in the number of home runs last year had little to do with video and more to do with the approach to the game we keep talking about you know uh launch angle and exit velocity and guys trying to you know to launch every time they get up there and as they like to say do damage how about if we do damage by hitting the ball in a gap you know to me the problem isn't video the problem is how we are approaching our at bats i think it's as simple as that uh you know jd martinez would tell me i'm out to lunch that's fine jd martinez is a professional baseball player i am not nor have i ever been you know so i get it but just as an outsider looking in when you look at the number of strikeouts in major league baseball over the last five six seven years and see that they've gone up year after year after year to the point where we actually had more strikeouts in baseball than we had hits for the first time in history a couple of years ago that's all you need to know about what's going on in the game of baseball. That's all you need to know. So, you know, we can talk about the crutch of video if you want to, but I don't believe that it's that big of an advantage. I just don't. I think it's an excuse. It's a way for, you know, J.D. Martinez can say to the cows come home that, you know, he relies on that video and that's the reason that he didn't perform last year. 
and I call BS. You were in a slump. It happens. And it was 60 games. And if he had played a full 162, he probably would have worked his way out of it. And at the end of the year, he would his numbers would have might have been down a little, but they wouldn't have been as horrendous. But at the end of the day, if we don't change the approach to the game, it doesn't matter whether you have video, real-time, delayed, whatever. If we don't figure out a different way and getting back to the way baseball is supposed to be and the ways you were supposed to approach the game, it's not going to make any difference. 44 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Hey, before I forget, uh, I just wanted to take a second to, uh, and and not that he's listening to the show, but I just wanted to take a second to congratulate uh, Miguel Cardona um, from the state of Connecticut. He graduated from uh, Central Connecticut State University, former uh, superintendent of schools in Hartford. Uh, he was confirmed yesterday to be the next secretary of education in the uh, Biden administration. So, uh, uh, one of Connecticut's own out there. And by the way, you want to talk about stashes? You should see, see the mustache on Miguel Cardona's father. If you get a chance, uh, you should check it out on on uh, Twitter uh, or on um, or even just Google Mark Miguel Cardona and uh, his father. His dad's got a mustache that makes the one Raleigh Fingers used to wear uh, look like nothing. I mean, this thing is, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's an older guy, so it's white. He's got like mutton chops and he's got this mustache that literally, uh, goes out from his face, uh, by a few inches on either side. This thing, this thing's got its own zip code. Uh, you gotta check it out. But uh, anyway, one of Connecticut's own getting to be the secretary of education, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, some other baseball notes. The Mets, uh, are going to honor Tom Seaver all this year. They uh, announced yesterday. They're going to wear uh, the number 41 patch on their home and away jerseys. Of course, Seaver passed away last uh, at the end of last August uh, at the age of 75 after battling dementia. One of the greatest pitchers and uh, right-handed pitchers in baseball history, uh, member of the Hall of Fame, 311 wins in his career, uh, over 3,600 strikeouts. and uh, So nice job by the Mets to do that. Uh, Mets opened their spring training yesterday. Uh, again, Results don't matter. They lose to the Miami Marlins uh, two to nothing. Uh, but uh, you know, so what? The, I guess the only thing of note yesterday um, was that Francisco Lindor made his debut uh, with the Mets. Uh, went 0 for two in, uh, in a couple of at bats. Brandon Nimmo a couple of hits yesterday, which was good to see for them. If he can stay healthy, um, uh, he is uh, he is a big weapon. I'm a big fan of Brandon Nimmo, so I'm, I'm rooting for him to stay healthy. But uh, good win uh, for the Marlins yesterday. Not that it matters anything. Sandy Alcantara is uh, going to be the ace of that staff this year. Well, he started yesterday, went uh, two innings, uh, did not allow any runs. So uh, uh, the Mets get things going. Uh, speaking of getting their spring training debuts yesterday, uh, Trevor Bauer, the guy who just signed that big contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers, pitched a couple of innings yesterday. Uh, scoreless innings, gave up one hit, struck out a couple of guys. Uh, I saw some video yesterday. He was throwing some nasty curveballs. I mean, right out of spring training, he was throwing some nasty-looking hooks. And, and, you know, I, I am not – look, I am a, I'm a fan of his talent. I'm not necessarily a fan of Trevor Bauer's antics on the mound, you know. But having said that, you know, he is certainly uh, – certainly very, very talented, so good to see. You know, and it's funny, first spring training game, you look at how loaded this Dodger lineup is. 
or and this Dodger team is, period. Their first spring training game, they're throwing out Trevor Bauer, Tony Gonsolin, Kenley Jansen, and Blake Trinan. Holy crap. I mean, that's four top-flight pitchers they're throwing out in their first spring training game. <laughs> while the Red Sox, you know, while the Red Sox throw out, you know, uh, Garrett Richards and a bunch of guys you never heard of. It was <laughs> just and the Dodgers uh, in midseason form. They scored ten runs off of the Colorado Rockies yesterday. Uh, they beat the Rockies ten to nothing. Colorado with just two hits off that Dodger pitching staff. And uh, uh, good lord, I mean, I, I you know what though, I can't wait to follow that National League West uh, race this year between the Dodgers. And the Padres, I can't wait for that. I think it is going to be. I think the Dodgers are going to win it, but I mean the Padres are going to certainly make the playoffs. Unless, uh, you know, I I can't even imagine you know how badly they would have to play to not make the playoffs with that lineup. But I am really and now with that pitching staff they've got, adding you Darvish and adding Blake Snell, man, I can't wait. That is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the Padres did play yesterday, by the way, their spring training game. They lost one nothing to the Cubs. The Cubs only gave up uh, uh, a couple of hits. Uh, Chris Paddock started the first game and uh, pitched well for the Padres, struck out three guys in two innings. Uh, Tommy Pham, good to see him back on the field after uh, that incident that uh, he had where he got stabbed outside of a nightclub. They said he needed 200 stitches to close that stab wound that he had. And the doctors told him that if he had not been so muscular, that stab wound might have killed him. That uh, all the muscles that he had uh, in his core probably saved his life. I mean, so nice to see him uh, in the lineup for San Diego. He was a designated hitter yesterday. Interesting, by the way, uh, there's no universal DH this year, but in spring training, pitchers aren't hitting. They're using a designated hitter in the National League uh, even though they're not going to have the DH. Unless something changes between now and the start of the season, uh, pitchers are going back to hit this year. So I, I just thought it was interesting uh, that they used the DH yesterday for the Padres. Um, other spring training action yesterday, the uh, Astros and Nationals played. It was good to see Ryan Zimmerman back in a game, first time in almost a year. He opted out, of course, last year because of the coronavirus, um, because he was concerned about his family's health. Uh, he came back in, hit a home run, yesterday in the uh, Nationals game. They lost to the Astros 7-6, although the Nationals were uh, were uh, teeing off. They hit back-to-back-to-back home runs off of uh, Houston uh, relief pitcher Steve Ciszek in the third inning. Three in a row. That's not a... Ugh. Anyway, uh, other games yesterday, the Angels and the White Sox played to a 4-4 tie. Albert Pujols, who may or may not be playing his final season in Major League Baseball with a couple of hits, went two for two, drove in a couple of runs. Shohei Otani with a couple of hits. Uh, Mike Mike Trout had a hit. Uh, and Alex Cobb, a newcomer to the uh, Angels lineup this year to their rotation, uh, pitched a scoreless first inning. Uh, the Orioles and the Phillies played to a tie yesterday as well. Uh, DJ Stewart with a home run off of uh, Aaron Nola uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, a couple other notes. Um, Tyler Glasnow started for the Rays yesterday. They lost to the Minnesota Twins. Glasnow got roughed up a little bit. Uh, in his uh, inning in two-thirds. But, again, you know, we can't get too carried away with what happens in spring training. Uh, Kyle Gibson, uh, pitching for the Texas Rangers, pitched a scoreless couple of innings, looked pretty good. Um, so we'll see. You know, game two coming up today uh, for the Red Sox or on television, and uh, we'll see. And, again, I think today the thing I'm going to be watching is do they play defense? 
you know, Martin Perez is what he is. You know, we're not expecting him to go out and, you know, be the ace of the staff. But I'm looking for those, the defense to play better. Uh, Xander Bogarts will not play today, by the way. They're going to hold him out for a few more days. Uh, Alex Cora said that because of the coronavirus protocols that uh, his preparation program down in Aruba was uh, different. So he has come up with a little bit of a sore arm. So they're just they're not going to rush it. They'll give him a couple more days off before they throw him in there. Um, basketball news: The Atlanta Hawks fired Lloyd Lloyd Pierce, their coach, yesterday, um, midway through the year. Uh, they are struggling. They spent a lot of money in free agency in the off season, um, and they have replaced him with Nate McMillan. Uh, he has been named the interim coach. The Hawks are fourteen and twenty sitting at 11th in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, look, they did. They, they, I give the, the Hawks credit after finishing uh, with just 20 wins last year, went out and spent money, you know. And one of the big guys they signed was Bogdan Bogdanovich. Well, he's been hurt, you know. And so, it, you know, Lloyd Pierce was kind of coaching with one hand behind his back. Um, but uh, because of the – look, they invested – 78 or 80 million dollars in these free agents and uh, they they haven't gotten much better results i get it but you know coaches coaches always uh uh always even when the guys get hurt the coaches still get the blame uh, by the way pierce is going to be okay young kid he'll get another it was his first head coaching job in the nba he'll get another one matter of fact he is actually serving on the coaching staff with greg popovich uh with the u.s olympic team popovich is a big fan uh, of Lloyd Pierce, I think he, you know he'll get a better job at some point in the future. Uh, one other note: J.J. Watt, uh, three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, uh, the free agent, has signed a two-year contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, five-time All-Pro, 32 years old, on the downside of his career, but still a dominant defensive player. Was released by the Houston Texans. Boy, what a train wreck the Texans are. Uh, was released by the Texans. He had a year left on his contract. Just said, look, I, I got to get out of here. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and so they released him. And so he will now be an Arizona Cardinal for the next couple of years. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from T. Graham Brown, Wine Into Water. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.